the person who I'm going to be speaking about today is a friend of mine. I met him when I was very young. I actually made up some stories about him. But in my theological studies, I have actually found out that my made-up stories were not that far-fetched. And as we make our way with Jesus down to Jerusalem, because remember, we are in this series called The Way a Journey, and we are joining Jesus and His disciples on His way to Jerusalem as He, in chapter 9 of Luke, looked towards the city of Jerusalem and resolutely, definitely, and confidently decided to go towards Jerusalem, even though He was aware of what was awaiting for Him in Jerusalem which was his death and passion. But on the way, he finds people and he talks to people. And according to the gospel that you choose to read, uh, some stories are the same, some stories are different because uh, John, for example, adds the entire chapter 11 of the gospel of John, which deals with the resurrection of Lazarus. And in 12, chapter 12 of John, Jesus is entering into the city of Jerusalem in what we call Palm Sunday. But in the Gospel of Luke, we find more stories from chapter 9 when Jesus decides to go to Jerusalem to be basically executed. He knows that. The disciples don't know it. And on the way, a religious leader finds him, a young religious leader. You and I may know him as uh, the young rich ruler. Is that it? So once, listen to and for the word of the Lord, once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, uh, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother. My friend, the young man, replied, I've obeyed all this command since I was young. <laughs> Sorry. When Jesus heard this, he said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then, come, follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, how hard it is for a rich to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this, those of us who may have heard this, may ask, then who in the world could be saved? And here's a coup de grace. Jesus replied, what is impossible for people it is possible with God. Peter said, we've left our home to follow you. And Jesus replied, 
And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brother or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom will be repaid many times over in this life and, in the, and have eternal life in the world to come. The word of the Lord. As I remembered you, as I reminded you earlier, we are on a journey with Jesus and his disciples making it down to Jerusalem. However, as we have been t- uh, sharing for the last three or four weeks, we all experience this journey. We all go through this path, this journey, this thing that we call life. And we have learned that life can be miserable experience that the journey can be an awful experience, especially when we journey separated and without the Creator and the Waymaker. We have learned that this Creator has made His way around us, around our rebellion, around our apathy, around our foolishness, around our sin, around our rejection. This Creator made His way around all of that and poured God's love to each one of us. We have also learned that the journey, our journey, is filled with thorns and thistles, rocks and desert, dark valleys of despair. But God is the God of the journey, and God is present and not quiet in each one of our journeys. For the journey itself is home. In the text that I just read this morning, uh, I want to continue the one favorite uh, theme of the young rich ruler who has done everything socially, who has had everything politically and financially and even religiously, but he still finds himself empty. He still finds himself not satisfied. He still finds himself with a great need of help in the journey. Listen to his question. What do I need to do to inherit the kingdom? But he's done it all. He's done it all. And yet he finds himself not satisfied. He finds himself thirsty. He finds himself empty, empty to the point that he may have been following Jesus for a while before he had the guts to come in front of him and speak to him? I think so. Because he calls him good teacher. Why would he call him good teacher if he doesn't know who he is? Why would he call him good teacher if he has not seen the miracles that he has already done? Why would he call him good teachers if he had not already savored the rich honey from the Word of God coming through Jesus? Why would he not call him that if he did not know who he was? So he knew a little bit about Jesus. He was, after all, a religious leader, and yet empty, and yet dissatisfied, and yet crying out for help in the journey. My theory is that this young rich ruler, let me me come up with this. I think this young rich ruler who heard Jesus, eventually found his way in Jesus. And he may have sold it all and gave it to the poor and followed Jesus. Now, this is conjecture. Those of you who are theologically oriented, this is my midrash. My midrash is a story consistent with a biblical character, but it's my own story. This young person may have been with Jesus when Jesus was arrested. 
Because we hear in one of the Gospels is there is one disciple who had sold it all, given it to the poor, and all he had was a cloak. And when they arrested Jesus, he fled. That's all we know. He's an escapist. He doesn't like trouble and complications. That's why he's my friend. We know how to escape. <laughs> In the resurrection, we find a disciple that also had given it all to the poor and yet was on the home with a 120. And he saw Jesus resurrected. Not only that, but uh, when Paul was going to do a ministry with Barnabas, uh, they actually suggested, why don't you take John Mark? Oh, you heard about this. <laughs> why don't you take John Mark? Uh, and, and Peter, I mean, Paul actually, no, 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 no. He's too young. He may be too immature. He's an escapist. Actually, eventually, John Mark did join Paul in one of the ministries. And when they got to Galatia and things got nasty and things got scary, guess what John Paul, I mean, Paul, John Mark did? He fled and left Paul. Yeah, that's what he does. <laughs> We all try to escape. I just own it. We all try to, to fill our souls. We all try to satisfy the emptiness that we find within ourselves. We all try to find that peace that we cannot create. We all try to create that joy that's only but merely temporarily. We all f are, try to feed our spiritual hungers with stuff, with television, with documentaries like me. We can fill that which is designed to only be filled by God. We can put all sorts of counterfeit stuff in our souls. But only God can satisfy the soul. So what is impossible for you and I as we journey in this life, God offers the help. God offers the help as we go in the journey. You see, Jesus said, what is impossible for God, it is possible with God. Now, interestingly enough, this little phrase, what is impossible with God, is possible with God, appears similarly in the Scriptures. In Luke, early in the early chapters, when the angel is appearing to the, he says, well, this is going to happen. He says, how can that be? And the angel replies, there is nothing impossible, notice, for God. In Matthew, later on, there's also the, the, the phrase uh, uh, where what is impossible to man, it is possible for God. This particular verse does not say what is impossible with man is possible for God. No, it doesn't. Look what it says. With God, in conjunction, in partnership, okay? It is the function of joining God. God joins us on the way, so therefore it implies togetherness. It is possible with 
God on the way. It is possible with God on my journey. Things are possible with God as I partnership, as I become a disciple, a follower, a lover of God. So then God alone can satisfy our needy soul. God alone through word, spirit, and guess what? Each other. That's the trinity of what God is talking to us here. God alone can feed us words of truth that can satisfy the soul. God alone can quench our thirst, thirsty soul with springs of living water from God's Spirit. God alone can revive, restore, redeem, and renew us as we come in fellowship in a new community of friends, of believers, where we help one another instead of beating up on one another. Help for us on the way is offered by God in word, is offered by God in spirit, and is offered by God through God's people. Listen to the Psalm 121. I look up to the mountains. ¿De dónde vendrá mi socorro? Mi socorro viene de Jehová que hizo los cielos y la tierra. Oh, sorry. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who has made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Do you need help along your journey? It is with God, Jesus, the Word, and the Spirit, and one another that we can find that journey. It is through the Word that we teach. It is through the Spirit. That is why we're offering the spiritual formation opportunities of the Museum of the Passion. That is why we're offering these opportunities of the labyrinth prayer path so that you can learn to listen the soft, quiet, almost babbling brook voice of God. This last weekend, sometime, I, I went to pray in some woods nearby here. I know there was a parking place that I could park my car, and there were people walking with walking canes. And I just decided to walk and pray and think. And as I get off the trail, because I have this oppositional disorder, <laughs> so I get off the trail. I know where the other trail is. I don't get lost. You know, I don't know where I'm at. I was told there's bears now there. I'm, I don't know if I'll do that again. But I'm off on my own, and, and I'm sitting on a log that I'm sure that there's not going to be any surprises under that log because the log is raised. I don't want anything slivering under my feet. No. And as I'm there, I'm praying quietly, and I raise my eyes, and I see the most amazing gift from God. Four, not one, four deer four deers. From here to where you're at, this distance. And I got scared. So I probably look like them. <laughs> and, and one of them just stared at me. Like if he wanted something from me. I, I don't know if people feed these animals or not, but it was very unusual that they were so close and not scared. And I slowly got up and when I stepped, I made all this noise with all that dry brush under me, and they didn't run away. I stepped again, they didn't run away, and I decided to just go. <laughs> and then they left. <laughs> My aura was too much for them. <laughs> I wonder if they were, I don't know, but it was just the amazing scene. And once they left, 
there was nothing but silence in the woods. And as I began to embrace the silence, as I began to enjoy the silence, suddenly I heard a bloop, 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 the babbling of a brook. And I was reminded that is how soft, that is how intentional God speaks to us. He don't want the deer around. He don't want the sound of the brushes of my steps. He wants me to sit and listen intensely, intentionally, so that my soul can be refreshed and received from God. Let us pray. God, we thank you because you are a way maker. We thank you because you speak to us day in and day out. And yet, sometimes we don't hear you. Teach us to listen to your word, spirit, and one another as you come in our way and become the help in our way. Teach us so that we may realize that you are with us on the way, that you are our help on the way, that your word is like a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. Thank you, Waymaker. Thank you, my helper on the way. Thank you.